0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. Today on the panel, we have Alan Weimar.
1: Hello.
0: And your host Adi Iyengar. and we have a special guest today. Wow, it's great to have you.
1: Hello. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. So I guess we can we had you on because of your really cool library that you authored, But Before we dig into that, I know we just learned that you're still newish to Elixir, and would love to learn about you know your journey. Looks like you have some Python and Django experience. You know how did how did I get into Elixir and how is the journey going on?
1: Yeah, like if I'm thinking about it now, I don't remember exactly, but I've, I've been I've been developing with Python and Django's like for eight years, and then I would say like two years ago, like Elixir fell into my lap. Like uh, I, I saw something on on Hacker News about it, and I was like, oh, that's, that looks interesting, and then did Advent of Code with it, and I was like really impressed with it. And then a year later, was looking into mo- it more deeply and then worked a little bit on Larsfeld. And yeah, now mm-hmm. we're here.
0: Awesome. So, once you found Elixir on that Hacker News post, did you seek an Elixir position right away? Or how did the transition from eight years of Python Django experience to like doing Elixir full time happen?
1: I didn't look for something right away. It was just, I did uh, the advent of coding and then I didn't touch it for a while. But oh, really? I was still like really impressed by it, like uh, all the live view stuff. It was really cool, really coming from a Django world. It was. It's really like next level to me, like yeah, what Alexander and Phoenix can do. So I was really impressed by it, but I didn't really look for any jobs immediately. I was just like looking at, at it from a distance, I would say.
0: Interesting, because I know it's very hard, at least some of the people I'm talking to, it's very hard for them to change especially in like market the way the market's been for the last couple years it's hard to find an elixir role without elixir experience every company wants someone with elixir experience but you know the supply is so low right so i was like curious how did you land position but i guess i guess you're saying it kind of happened organically
1: yeah sort of yeah it's really like i like i took a year off so like last year I decided to build something on my own and just see where it takes me. Oh, nice. And then I, I did uh, the Lifesvel stuff at first. Yeah, first I was building something and then I, I needed something that I was used to and Lifesvel was the thing that was giving me that. So I built Lifesvel for that project and then I quit the, the original project. And then with Lifesvel, I built something else like a small game, like an online multiplayer game. And oh, then nice. I at the end of the year, I was like, okay, maybe it's time to look for for something again and i was looking specifically for elixir jobs and then yeah i think this helped me find something also like uh, at the end of december i found something with elixir so and that's what i'm doing now but yeah that's sort of the journey i
0: guess yeah uh we can talk about and be uh a little bit i always had a question i never used it like seriously i only helped a friend of mine learn it (laughs) i i don't know how it's like different from like live components and stuff that we have right now would, would be nice uh, yeah. be great if you could like elaborate that.
1: Yeah, so Svelte is just like, it's a JavaScript framework. It has components, it has reactivity, like a, a little bit like React. So it does all the same things that React does, but the way it does it solves certain problems is completely different to React. So for example, the main thing is that it's it's a compiled uh, framework. So you write out your code and it compiles to something else. And the thing you're writing, it's very, it feels a lot like HTML and JavaScript, something you're really familiar with, but technically it is not, but it it is like, it is very similar and it compiles to pure JavaScript and it really compiles away all the complexities that you, you would have otherwise. Because if you, if you have a compiler, you can do a lot of really smart things. You can, you can import the entire framework, have access to everything, and then it only imports the thing that you're using. And your, your bundle size will be really small. And so it's, it's a really, really nice way of making client sites interactive experiences. And that's what it's really uh, good for. And yeah, it's, it's very easy to, to start. So for example, the simplest Svelte code can just be an HTML file. It can just be like a div opening and it has something inside and, and that's it. It doesn't even have to have reactivity. And that's what makes it really, really nice because you can build this HTML. And then sometimes you want some like reactivity here or there, and you can easily add it. So if you've never really worked with Svelte, I would definitely recommend just looking at it for a little bit because it's really, yeah, it's really easy to understand and very powerful.
0: Awesome. I guess that makes sense. So, so how does Live Swell help us? Like, what what can you do yeah. with Live? Yeah, what can you do with that you cannot do without it?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would say you can do everything with that Live Svelte offers. You can do it with hooks. So you can have any kind of experience, which was called Phoenix Hooks, that that Lifestyle offers. But the, the thing that Lifestyle offers is that the bigger your reactivity gets on the clients, the more ergonomic your experience is going to be, your development experience. Because you can do really, like, I'll say, like, really complex things, client-side, which would take a lot of time with Phoenix Hooks to to make it look or like uh, have a nice experience with it, and so that's that's really the main the main thing that you get, and and then you get some smaller benefits like you get for example uh, styled scoping, which is something that Svelte also offers. So if you have some some div or whatever, you can add styling inside the Svelte file and to a div, and you can just add the CSS add that styling to a div, and then it would be scoped to that file only, so it doesn't leak to other files because of you. You have a compiled the language is compiled, so you can create hashes for your CSS, and then your CSS is scoped technically because the hash is not used anywhere else. So you can have like small things like that that are a benefit. But the, the main thing I would say is like, if you have a lot of reactivity going on and like you're really getting into a big problem with Phoenix hooks, then I would say try LifeSvelt and see if it maybe solves your problem in a, in a more elegant way. Mm. I
0: see. I guess, like, as you explained this, I have another quick uh, question just so that I can understand Svelte a little better. Yeah. I think what, a lot of things that you mentioned that Svelte does sounds like Alpine JS can also right. uh, yeah. do stuff like that. Like, when would you choose like Svelte over Alpine? What are the advantages or disadvantages, uh, pros and cons of either of them?
1: I think I would use Svelte really if you have a lot of reactivity, mm-hmm. if you have some really complex kind of client side stuff and you still want to uh, like uh, make it uh, reactive with the backend. So if you have a live view you can you can include it and it's still like uh, your live view experience I would say. So you you, uh, you send events and it updates the live view and it, it all works very seamless. But with Alpine it definitely helps but with live Thread, I would say it's that extra thing that if you're coming from a JavaScript world it's really it's really like oh wow, well, yeah this is what I'm used to and I can get I, I can get going. I, I can make the thing that I want to make. And I don't really have to uh, learn some new mm. uh, way of doing it. Uh, right. So, yeah, that's that's what I would say.
0: Gotcha. Alan, does that answer your uh, question on Svelte?
2: Well, I missed part of his uh, explanation. My sound went out at the beginning. I, I do see that there's definitely some benefits for it. Like right? like you said, it's a little bit faster as compilation step in there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess it's hard for me to kind of visualize it. I, I think I need to kind of play around and maybe investigate some more. Because uh, it seems like there's a lot there that's hard to kind of explain in a elevator pitch to explain why it's spelt is good. But I do hear a lot of people talking really? about spelt out there. But I just don't know anybody yeah. who's actually doing it day in, day out nearby me. So it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to kind of just maybe play them out and see how useful it is. I mean, it's interesting, though, that, that you decided to, to build this and you're still... Well, you, you think you're quite new to Phoenix and Elixir, right? But I mean, making this kind of package sounds like... I don't know. I don't even know how to build anything extra in Phoenix and Elixir. I feel like I'm just a user or a consumer rather than a, a contributor sometimes.
1: Yeah, I would say actually the implementation like it sounds all very complex but the implementation is actually not so not so complex. I yeah. can briefly talk a little bit about how, how the internals work and stuff. Uh, so so yeah. the maybe let's take a step back and then let's talk about like how how your experience would be with, with felt, and then maybe it, it's, it will sounds more simple. So Okay, so let's say you have a component, and you have, and you're in a life view, uh, you're in life view, and you want to pass some data. So you would have your, you would have a .svelte component, and you would have a file somewhere that defines your components. So it would be a svelte file, and in svelte files, you have this thing called props, or like properties, and b- which is basically your interface into the into the svelte file. So these are like your arguments into the svelte file, I would say, from your external sources. So if you're just in a Svelte world, you can have a, a parent, a parent Svelte file, and you can have components, which are also Svelte files, and you can pass properties to that, those components, and everything would be reactive automatically. So that would be in a normal Svelte environment, but in LiveView, you still have these props, but these props now, they become, they become LiveView aware. So they, instead of being just client-side, they would be, they will be coming in from your LiveView file. So you have your .svelte components with your name. And then you have props, which is just like a a map in, in Elixir. You pass it and then each, each key in the map is a prop. And then it's available in your Svelte file and you can do whatever you want with it. So you you can have, let's say you have your prop at the top. You have a script, uh, like you have a script tag that imports as the way Svelte files work. You have just a script tag. You have your prop inside. And then below that, you have your HTML and you can include that. Just if you just want to display it, you put it in between brackets, and it just works, and that's it. So it's already like a a nicer, like a nicer way to display things. Because for example, with Phoenix, you have this. I don't know, but it's like opening, like percentage equals. And sometimes I feel like a little bit confused by that. Like it's a little bit more complicated, but for example, in Svelte, it's just like two brackets and that's it. And you can do stuff with it. And then if you want to update it, it's the same thing. You have, um, either you have a Phoenix click on a button or something, or you have a push event, which is a JavaScript function that you you have that sends an event to a handle function. And then you can capture it in, in your live view and since Live View is this thing where you don't have to think about how your reactivity works, it just works. You update it with an assign, and it automatically updates in your Svelte file. And it's you have this circle basically, so it, it goes back to your prop. Your prop gets updated, and your Svelte file updates it, and you have this really nice inputs with properties and outputs with events kind of situation. And that's it. That's all you have to do. So for, to to make this work, you have to make sure that your Svelte files compile, that you import them in the correct places. And the the properties get passed as a as a data attribute on your HTML. And you just pick it up in your mount hook. So you say what what is your uh, in your mount hook because you under the hood it works with Phoenix hooks in your mount you read what the data property is you parse it and you give it to your Svelte, and that's it basically and you have some like nice nicer things to make things more like smooth and stuff but that's the general that's the general uh, concept of how it works so if you understand those things then it's not so difficult to come up with the other stuff also. I, I hope that makes sense. There was a lot to talk about, but I hope that makes some sort of sense.
0: Yeah, makes sense. So so I guess you have access to, when you write the dot svelt files, just make sure you account for the props and make sure yeah. it, it compiles. And the, the live svelte part sounds like a component, right? Just Phoenix component. Yeah, which it just
1: Phoenix components.
0: Yeah, yeah, which just uh, allows you to, at a time of rendering, provide like, dynamic behavior through that props value. Yeah, that's actually really cool. And you can take advantage of, like, compiling the Svelte files uh, at at compile time and, like, validating a lot more things at compile time than, like, dynamically rendering everything at at runtime. So that makes sense. Yeah,
1: Yeah, so you don't have any costs. Like, you would think, oh, maybe it's a big framework or something, but everything is compiled up front, so you don't have any cost type, so you just import your JavaScript, which is very minimal usually, because with Svelte, it, the, the bundle stays pretty small. The the only the only cost you have, so MySvelte also has server-side rendering, so we're, we're just talking about all this Svelte stuff, but and it's on the client, and usually you have it on the client, but Svelte also has support for server-side rendering, which means just on the first render, you get to see HTML instead of Nothing. Because that's if you just have a JavaScript framework, it needs to attach to your DOM and then you see stuff. So this this also works out of the box with LiveSveld where you you can already like you can just write HTML in Svelte and it would render properly on the first render, like how you would see it normally in a in a live view. The the only downside is that you still need to call nodes, so you still have a little bit of uh cost to to render it in those cases you still have yeah you have some extra cost because i mean live view it renders itself i don't know how it works internally but it's very fast with note it's not not as fast as uh as that so but you can turn it off also so you i mean if you don't want to use it if you if you just care about in the interactivity and not that first page render then then there's no cost basically.
0: I mean, you can also do the svelt rendering not, I mean, if you do it not in mount, that's another way of like fixing that too in live oh. view. So yeah, that that's cool. That's very cool. It just shows you the power of, I guess like Phoenix components, right? How extendable Phoenix components yeah. are. And I think I think, I really like the way you designed the, this library too. Like I think, uh, I mean, you have generators and stuff to, you know, like like set up stuff to make, make things like easier to set up, which is so important. You know, we mm. don't to do weird NPM gymnastics yeah. <laughs> to get that set up with your uh, phoenix project which is very important so yeah, I re- really appreciate uh, a library that makes it easy for developers to set it up.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's also a big deal. I think a lot of people they they go they see LiveView and it's like, oh, I don't have to deal with all the NPM stuff anymore, yeah. <laughs> and like I get this nice reactivity. And then uh, like, so you want to like support those people? <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, it's just like it's just a setup step, and then it basically works. Uh, unless you have something really custom, then you still need to do something yourself. But if you're just starting with a with an empty Phoenix project, it will be pretty easy. Uh, to set all this up.
0: Awesome. So, how has your experience been with um, Live View? I guess in general, like, uh, uh, what you said, it kind of blew your mind. Like, what yeah. parts in particular, like, was just like, oh, it can do this. Wow. Like, what what is one of the features or one of the things it does that really completely blew your mind?
1: Yeah, for me, it is just your API is gone. For me, that is such a big thing. Like, I don't know if people talk about this a lot in the Alexa community, but in in uh, if you have a clients. Like a, a client heavy app, you always still have an API or, I mean, nowadays you can do other things too, but usually you're going to have some API of some source. And with live view, that's just not, that's just not a thing. That's, and it's, you're so close to your, to your backends. Everything is so easy. Like if you have some very specific query you need to run or something, you create a function you and you call it and that's it. You don't have to say like, Oh, how do I serialize my data? And now like, how do I do everything? So. That for me is such a such a big thing. Like that's the like if if it was just that, that would be already enough for me. Like if your API if you can just remove the API somehow, that's incredible.
0: Yeah, the interface was game changer for me too. Yeah, I think just the ease, like you said, right? Like, there are other frameworks that can do this too, right? But it's like still a lot of work to set it up here. Just live is just a process, you know. And that's where they like using, using the whole process. It looks uh, lightweight processes as a way to hold client state, right? This WebSocket state it was such a, such a brilliant idea. And it just uh, uses, shows the power of. Elixir too. And and yeah, the interface is like so beautiful. So easy to learn yeah. and set up. And yeah, it's amazing. I, I don't know of any other... I've done web development in a few, few other languages. I don't know of any other language that allows us to build server-side rendered WebSockets anywhere close to as easy as LiveView.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it. I'm still waiting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's actually like a GitHub site that... or project, I guess you could say, that keeps track of different LiveView implementations and other languages. Is, is quite interesting. I think there's actually one for Django called Django Live View, which is interesting. I don't know how good these Live View things are in comparison. I did take a look at, I think, because actually, I think the Lexer podcast, I think they had on one of the guys for... Actually, if I remember correctly, wait a minute. I could have sworn the Alpine author made Alpine because of Live View, or am I wrong? It's Something's kind of ringing a bell in my head about this. And like, maybe not, but... I I I kind of remember this episode, I know they had the Alpine guy on there, the creator, and they were talking about like, using PHP to do something like Live View and Hotwire. And it, and yeah, it definitely works way different. Do you guys remember this episode a while ago? Yeah, I, I feel like maybe I'm I'm not quite correct or something, but I,
0: I yeah. remember I remember the creative Alpine saying not I mean like the whole view React like big frameworks you want some a simpler way to add like a dynamic nature to your JavaScript uh, code. That was the whole reason, but I don't remember. I feel like Alpine. It's older than live view. I don't know. Maybe I have um, my
2: stories mixed up. I just remember something with that. Hmm. I feel like maybe my stories are all messed up. I, I I have to go back and listen to it again because yeah, maybe you're right. Because even when I'm saying that, it sounds wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to keep talking and embarrass myself. But I don't know. Yeah, I know PHP was definitely one of the one of the frameworks right. for making something. And I believe there were that theirs was actually kind of more like Ajax than anything else.
0: Yeah, I think it's Live LiveWire. It's it LiveWire. Okay. Laro, uh, Ra- Laravel or Laravel. something. Yeah, yeah that had a life wire. I remember uh reading about it. Yeah. Again, I think the strength of Phoenix comes from lightweight processes, right? Like I I don't know if there's a language my my one of the I don't know, like I don't know if there's a language that allows you to create lightweight processes and has the ability, the metaprogramming ability for you to define a clean interface like Phoenix has, Phoenix Live has, right? The combination of that is just a that' pretty awesome, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. and also, if even if like I don't know Django Live View, whatever that is, I don't know its scalability. Like, like this yeah, Phoenix exactly. Live, View, we can scale it to like millions of millions of daily active users. You know, you can scale Phoenix Live View apps. It's pretty easy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you're completely right. Like, if like Live View would still be useful in, in a Django environment, definitely, but it wouldn't have the same impact. It's like, leveraging, just leveraging Erlang and the Beam. That's just like, that's all, that's, that's the other big thing for me. Like, like, if LifeView was just with Django, it would still be pretty cool, but like, you get to build a lot of really, really cool applications just with one language. And that's that's just really that's really powerful to me too.
0: And like they keep adding like new cool things like they add the, uh, the stream stuff. And last LiveView version, they added the whole async nature. You can like async assign uh, things like, you know, delegate assigning to a, a child process. This amount gets called faster and stuff like that. It's mm. so sophisticated because they also have the data points of big, big companies using Li- Li- LiveView as well. So so, uh, yeah, I don't see. I don't see any other alternative. I think Live View is going to be adopted. Phoenix and Phoenix Live View are, like big reason why Alexa is also like being adopted so much, right? yeah
2: I don't see us ever getting a one point anytime soon either. I don't know what one point looks like nowadays because if you remember from the beginning of Live View to where we are now, I think you would never be able to get to where we were now. That I'm, that what I'm saying makes sense. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. But I'm actually quite happy about the whole Heeks thing now. When Heeks first came in, I was like, "This is terrible. I hate this." I don't like this. And then after kind of we with some more, it's like, actually, this is kind of nice, especially we have the, you know, the, the formatter. I was just yep. having on the elevator ride down today with somebody who were talking about like the, the mix format, how that works with uh, everything. Wow. Like we had this big discussion like in JavaScript, there's just too many linters, too many formatters and stuff. But you have one Elixir formatter, you can add plugins to it that can format basically everything. And then you can even extend that a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. Like, I just find less and less of a reason to ever want to bring any kind of JavaScript in. I'm still yeah. trying to slowly talk them into using LiveView. Right now, we're just building APIs with absinthe for this project. But I'm trying to get them to use uh, LiveView. And I think we can probably get there. The only thing that's tricky is we have to build like an editor, which is a little bit more tricky. Might need to do some kind of integration with JavaScript to make that happen.
0: Is, is it collaborative? No, it's not. Oh. Uh, LiveView might be an overkill then.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Collaborative editor. Live-y. without live it would be very hard <laughs> well, I mean, with Livy, you can build right? one in like a week <laughs> yeah i think the other other problem is also i think, i guess like it could deal with that conversation a little bit but other problem is also with like adoption is the what we talked about to the market right like it is hard to get people to start contributing into elixir right away not there are resources but compared to the languages there are less resources for like a you know, mid-level kind of engineer, if you're already senior, if you already have your tech chops, if you already know how to learn another language, it's easier to learn Elixir. But learning Elixir as a first language or if you're a mid-level person, it's hard to, it's it's a lot of investment, especially if a company hires someone who doesn't have that background. So yeah, it, that's always a hurdle, right? Like, oh, choosing LiveView versus, oh, let's just stick to JavaScript, right? Like, it's, you to know, hire people, mm-hmm. you can like hire there's so many people who can hire <laughs> JavaScript, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that's like the other other side of things. Like it also convinced uh, people who plan. Yeah. And, and I, I know, man, it's like, as I know so many places that are hiring right now and they're having a hard time finding Alexa developers. There, there's some some places are like, hey, let's hire an, a senior Alexa developer for five hours a week so they could mentor <laughs> a junior nice. person, right? Like they're like trying to go this hybrid route because the the supply is so low, you know?
2: Yeah, Adi is, if you notice, Adi is permanently like panda eyes because he, he never gets sleep. He's always helping people on Elixir. <laughs> you're laughing, but it's totally true. Is that right, Adi?
0: No, no, I I have scaled back a little bit, too. I've, I've been getting sleep. You do
2: but... have less black in your eyes, actually, than I'm thinking about it. And looking at yeah,
0: yeah I've, I've been getting more sleep. But last year, I guess you're right, I was... Like three, four hours of sleep every night, but it's it's also rewarding, right? It's like like a, while I'm sure you you're also like kind of like dabbling in that territory now. It's your you sound like you're well, and just, you know, to develop a category, like, it's very rewarding to also help others grow, right? Like, especially in the in a community like Elixir, which is still very new, right? If you're not necessarily, like, I haven't been, I, I've authored a few open source li- uh, libraries, but I haven't done any of that in, like, a couple of years now. Another way of, like, giving back to the community is to help new Elixir engineers, like, grow, find jobs, stuff like that, right? Like, any way to give back in the community, it's ex- extremely rewarding because Elixir, at least, uh, I guess, what you're, like, new, but at least Alan and I, I think Elixir has given us so much
1: (laughs) yeah one thing I want to say like I feel like Elixir is still if you're talking about functional languages it's, it's one of the easier ones I feel yeah because you can really you can build something really cool already and you get just really basic primitives like you don't really get like complicated like monads or whatever you don't really need to think about anything like that it's very simple functions passing values around. So I would say Elixir is still one of the easier functional languages if you want to get into functional programming.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I think I think the whole thing with functional I think I don't I don't know yeah, you I don't know a functional language that I would like call easy to learn, right? Mm-hmm. I you're right, yeah. Alexa is the easiest. Yeah. Not not having the Hindley-Milner type system itself is a big thing. Referential transparency, like Haskell. Oh my God, you're right. Like monads and stuff like that. It's 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 nice to have a simple functional language. I think it's even much easier than Erlang, where even variables are immutable. Then mm-hmm. Elixir kind of makes it like more JavaScript-like or Ruby-like to like just have mm-hmm. more flexibility with the variables and stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I wonder if it's just because I mean, traditionally you get taught or you learn about programming like in an imperative way that's uh, yeah. like uh, you and values you can sometimes you can mutate them and sometimes you can't so like it depends on the language and stuff and but then this functional approach gives you a way different perspective and i wonder if you like if you start out as a functional programmer if that's your first language if it's easier or not i feel in some ways it would be easier but yeah i can't i can't i can't, uh, I can't go back <laughs> like <laughs> you, you have to you have to start from scratch to really to really figure that one out
0: yeah for sure I think you're right when once you, once you go functional once you cross that inflection point in life it's hard to it's hard to like go back it, it does feel simpler right like the whole input output way of approaching things elixir does have that process state thing that comes in which is very useful but besides that elixir is like you know just like as functional as functional can get yeah it's it's pretty cool
1: yeah and you don't really need to think about processes if you don't want to I feel you yeah. can build some, some things and, and you, you might not even realize that what you're running runs in a process and what that means. You can just build it. And then maybe after a while, you're like, well, what is this process thing? It's like, oh yeah, you can do like really cool stuff with that too. And then, then, then it becomes really cool. But if you just want to make a function that returns something, that's, I mean, that's really easy.
0: Yeah. Alan,
2: do you want anything else you want to cover? No, I'm just, I'm just. Seems like I need to learn uh, Spelt now to take a look at what
1: the big deal is. <laughs> There's just too many things sure.
2: to pick sure. up. Yeah, I'm
0: definitely gonna give Spelt a try too. It's very
1: cool. I did make a video so you can you can see what what it looks like. And I made another video about like maybe some other thing that I want to talk about uh, with the lifestyle stuff is it's Spelt and Life View. They have a very similar uh, way of doing things, mm. so. For example, you have if functions. You just have an if in uh, live If you want to display something, put in an if function or you have for loops and these, these core concepts, they exist in Svelte too. So you get this really closely related DSL, I would say. So some other thing that I built is that you can just replace peaks with Svelte itself. So if you have like a, a squiggly line H, you can do squiggly line with H. <laughs> And then you can just start adding Svelte codes. in in that, nice. uh, and and that just uh, and it's pretty it's pretty magical. Where right? it's like it, just, it sort of like just works. You still need to know, like, oh yeah, I need to import props because you need to do that inside the Svelte file in the Higgs. You don't have to do that because it's just it's an assign. You get you assign it to a and it's uh, it knows how to pick it up. But in uh, in Svelte, you still need to define your props that you want, but they still get automatically picked up by uh, with the assign. You, you We just look. Uh, in the sign, if, if these props exist and we attach them. But that's also something really cool. Uh, and yeah, the, the reason I'm mentioning it is because I also made a video about that. So there are two videos that you can watch.
0: Interesting. What what would be the use case to use the tilde V? Uh, because, I mean, then you're losing the ability to compile smelt files, right?
1: No, they're still compiled. So what we do, it's a macro and we, we just check and we, we put them in a in a separate file. So, oh you
0: do, okay. Yes, yeah.
1: and then and then we pick them up again. And so they're compiled and and it's the same, it's the same kind of uh, thing. So you don't really lose anything. The the one thing you lose is really if you want to go back to using just live view itself, then you can't really do it because your DSL is changed. So you can't have like a live view component inside that. But with regular live svelte, yeah, you can have a, a Svelte component and then live view components all around there. And that's no problem. It's just like some, like it's like a advanced step if you really want to have this kind of experience, you can, but it's not something you need to do.
0: Nice. Oh yeah, I see. You do you do create a Svelte, Svelte file with the module module name. Nice. Very cool. Nice. And it's dark footer too. You use the Svelte component inside it. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. This is a really cool library.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is really, the, for me, it was the missing piece that I needed. Nice. But maybe for other people it can be too, but I don't know yeah I think it's really cool
0: awesome yeah thanks so much for uh, contributing to the community. really appreciate it even though you're new uh it just shows you know you don't need to be doing it except for like five years <laughs> to start yeah, like, yeah. Uh, com- contributing yeah it's awesome
1: yeah and I, I would say like the the ecosystem really helps also like uh i mean it's really nice to have a package manager including your language and and it's it's really not so difficult to publish a package and there are some good examples online where you can look like how. How how to make a package and then a copy from there and then then build your own thing. So um, like the resources are definitely out there. So it's 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 less daunting than it's than it looks from the from the outside. Awesome.
2: Is there any more features that you have coming for Live Svelte or is it just kind of feature complete at the moment?
1: So one thing that I really want to have, but I don't know if it's possible. But there's a new version of uh, Svelte coming out, which might make it possible, is to use slots inside your Svelte components with will live view inside those slots. So so you can have live view in Svelte, in live view in Svelte, in live view in Svelte, as deeply as you want to nest it. If you like if you just want to go one level deep, I think it's it's possible. And it already works actually. But it it is I put it as an experimental feature because it sometimes doesn't work. Because it's I'm really doing something hacky, I would say, with with Svelte. But with Svelte 5, it seems that there's support for um, like a more native implementation of that, and then then really then then it becomes really cool because then you can encapsulate your live view code with Svelte components, and you can escape out of your Svelte if you want to, which is not so easy now. Like if you now have Svelte components, you're stuck with your Svelte, and you can't. If you then want to say, ah, I want to import uh, this this Phoenix component here, you can't do it. But if you have slots, then you can. So. Then I mean, then it, it becomes really, uh, really powerful. I think, but I don't know if it's possible. So it's something I still need to figure out if that will be possible with Salt Five. But um, that's 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 one feature I want to add.
0: That that'd be a tricky one. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Very cool. I guess, Alan, if you don't have any other questions, I can transition us to picks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was just
2: taking a look. It's just hard for me to have questions when I'm still trying to understand all this <laughs> stuff. It's it's quite it's quite interesting. I'm always trying to learn something new. So this may be interesting to play around with.
0: Nice. So I'm gonna halt your uh, search, Alan, and ask you to you know kick us off with a few picks.
2: Oh, this is your revenge, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'm gonna pick this awesome library uh, called Flop. Have you heard of Flop before? F L O P.
0: Mm, sounds familiar.
2: Yeah. So I think. I forgot which one was kind of the default. Uh, I think it's Scrivener or something like that. Was I forgot mm. how you even say that. That's like the pagination library. That one's always kind of had some weirdness to it. I, I forgot what it was. There was some strange stuff with Scrivener that just wasn't easy to work with. And then there was many others for pagination. One of my colleagues showed me this library called Flop. And I was like, okay, I you know, don't really care. But then after I took a look at it, it's much better than I imagine, right? So it, it does, like, originally I was kind of introduced it as a paginator, right? So how you paginate your pages, but it also has filtering. Now the filtering is super powerful. You can do quite a lot of interesting things with it. You can even easily create your own custom filters, which actually I did, right? So we had this one requirement for a project where we had to find something that was either like equal to this value or the value or that value was nil in the database, and it doesn't support out the box, so I had to quickly make a, a filter. It was like three lines of code, including the do the do line and the end. It was super... Sorry, it wasn't that much. It wasn't that short, sorry. It was like 10 lines. But anyways, it was very simple to do. Definitely really cool. And the other thing too, like I said, we're doing Absinthe. So it also has really great native integration with uh, Absinthe too. So definitely check it out if you're doing something with uh, filtering and sorting and pagination. Super useful.
0: That's really cool. Reminds me of, um, man, the first Elixir library I wrote was in 2016. It was for Searching, Sorting, and pagination. The The company I was there is still maintaining it. I, I just like, was curious what's going on there, but yeah, that's really cool. I'm, I'm glad that there is a good library now. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Wow, do you have any picks for us?
1: Yeah, so my pick is uh, a talk about uh, Svelte. It's called Rethinking Reactivity by Rich Harris, and Rich Harris is the creator of Svelte. It's a little bit older now, I think 2019, but it's still very relevant. So if you're new to Svelte, I would say, watch that talk. It's not so long. Find it on YouTube, Rethinking Reactivity. For me, it sort of had the same impact or quality, or uh, I don't know how to say it, but like as uh, the soul of Erlang, I'm sure you're familiar with with that talk. Uh, For me, it was very similar. Like, wow, this is really cool. So definitely check that one out. Uh, I think it's really nice.
0: Awesome. I guess uh, for me, today's picks are, I guess, uh, Sasha Wolf, who was one of our co-hosts at one point. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have him back soon. He's still hiring for a mid-level Elixir engineer. So, yeah, if anyone wants uh, is is in Germany or near Germany, (laughs) that area, it's a remote job, and is interested uh, in a mid-level Elixir position, reach out to Sasha Wolf. I'll have uh, his email in the show notes. I have another company in the U.S. that is looking for a mid-level Elixir developer as well. So ideally, someone with some Ruby on Rails experience too because this company is both or Ruby on Rails experience folks are looking to learn Elixir. Yeah, I will also... Actually, I'll give my email and you, you guys can reach out to me if you are interested in that position. But yeah, that's it for my picks today. Alan, do you have any final words for us?
2: No, no, no. It was good. Just like I said, um, now I have a bunch of tabs queued up about Svelte. So thank you for that. I don't have anything else to do with my life other than learn things. So <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, a joke. I have a lot of things to do, but now I'm <laughs> sidetracked.
0: Awesome. Well, my final words are check out Live Svelte and contribute to the Lesser community if you can. Thanks again for joining us, spot Thanks, Alan. And
1: thanks for having me.